At 11-11 Central Time, Tim Anderson broke an 11-11 tie with a home and a left. This one will sting for a while for the Tigers. So we get a truly impressive display of ineptitude as the Tigers managed to lose a game in which they piled up 15 hits and then followed up by losing a game in which they get two hits and tie an MLB record by striking out 20 times. I'll tell you what happened in those games and explain a bit more about roster moves on today's Locked on Tigers podcast. It is Monday, April 29th, 2019, and I am your host, Chris Brown. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, and I request that if you haven't already, please subscribe to Locked on Tigers on any of your favorite podcasting apps like Stitcher, Spotify, Google, iTunes, and, of course, Himalaya. And if you have a smart device in your car, just go ahead and tell it to play podcast Locked on Tigers. So first, the little bits of news will get out of the way before we go over these crazy games. Jordan Zimmerman officially out with a UCL sprain in his elbow. They're saying maybe three to four weeks for the injury, but the last time we heard about that was with Matt Moore, and then he was done for the year as soon as they went and looked at it. So we'll see what happens here. Josh Harrison was a late scratch for Sunday's game with a shoulder contusion. And then after the game... They sent Dustin Peterson down to Toledo. They haven't announced a corresponding move, but presumably it's to bring Jordy Mercer off the injured list. But let's get into this. This absurd debacle of a game on Friday night. The Tigers scored in each of the first six innings and still lost. But we'll start it off. The top of the first game leads off with Jamer Candelario's strikeout. Really the last time anything in the game made any sense. So next batter, Nick Castellanos. First pitch hits a bomb to center field. 103 miles an hour, went 418 feet. And then next batter, Miguel Cabrera, hits a home run down the right field line. Uh, barely cleared the wall, but it was his first of the year, his first in 161 plate appearances, and his first in nearly a calendar year. His last home run was April 28, 2018. Uh, it wasn't f- hit particularly hard, but hey, he got out. And the Tigers put a couple more on and make Rodon throw 26 pitches, but they don't score anymore, so it's just 2 nothing. Bottom of the first, Daniel Norris is in there. He gets a hard grounder to Jamer Candelario to start the game, and it was pretty clearly fair, but Candelario just either thought it was foul or was trying to do some sort of acting. So he, he snagged the ball and just kind of slowly jogged into foul territory. He was just a strange game. So that ended up being a leadoff single. A wild pitch puts the Liari Garcia, who got the single, on second. And then he scores on a Jose Abreu single through the right side, a professional hitting. They had him shaded to the left, and he just hit it where they weren't. But, uh, Norris gets out of that with no more damage, so it's 2-1. to one. The second inning starts off with two strikeouts for the Tigers. Seems uh, like nothing's going to happen, but then Candelario gets a single, and Castellanos works an eight-pitch walk. And then Cabrera with an RBI single up the middle. Now it's 3-1. to one. A Second inning for the White Sox. Eloy Jimenez crushes the line single up the middle. He hit it super hard. And then there's a walk and a hard grounder. Josh Harrison makes a diving stab and manages to flip it with his glove to Ronnie Rodriguez for one out. Really fine play uh, to keep the bases from getting loaded. But Norris does that anyway on the next batter with a walk. But then he gets a hard grounder to Candelario for a double play. He squeezes out of it. So we're heading to the third inning now. It's still 3-1. John Hicks with a one-out single. Harrison with a fielder's choice. Then Griner hits a home run that basically kills Eli Jimenez. Uh, we talked before in the last time they played that he's just a bad defender. And yeah, he went running full speed into the left field wall and then jumped and got his foot stuck in the wall. And it, it looked real bad. So it's 5-1. But it was kind of w- strange to hear Matt Shepard boasting about how it's going to be an Arby's game because the Tigers already had three home runs while Jimenez is writhing in pain on the ground. But, uh, you know, that's the way it goes. Anyway, yeah, after that, Jacoby Jones strikes out into the inning. Tigers up 5-1. Bottom of the third, uh, strikeout, Abreu gets another single, James McCann flies out, and then Yohan Makata hits a double, so there's men in second and third, but Norris is able to strike out Adam Engel, who came in for Elo Jimenez, to once again limit the damage. Nothing happens, still 5-1, even though the runners are in scoring position. Top of the fourth, we get more more base runners. Jamer Candelario walks. Carlos Rodon kind of looked hurt to me at this point. He wasn't thrown very hard and is repeatedly looking at the place he was landing. 
Uh, but anyway, after that, you get Nick Castellanos with a single the other way, and, and um, Cabrera double right down the right field line, almost exactly where he had his home run, just a couple feet to the right and a couple inches below the wall. So that makes it 6-1, to one, and Carlos Rodon comes out. They bring in Carson Fulmer, and he immediately gives up a hard grounder to shortstop by Dustin Peterson. And Matt Shepard said this, he, he kind of olayed it, and it's true. It was very reminiscent of Roger Dorn in Major League. He kind of went after it with a glove swipe and couldn't get it, so it got past him. Now it's 7-1, to one, Tigers. They come back with a strikeout, a walk by Hicks, and a weak grounder from Harrison to score Miggy on a fielder's choice to make it 8-1. to one. Bottom of the fourth, Daniel Norris gives up a home run to Yonder Alonso on a hanging something. I don't know. It was 87 miles an hour. I don't know if it was an attempted changeup or just a batting practice fastball. Home run makes it 8-2, and he gives up a single later, but gets a double play and a strikeout to get out of the inning. Top of the fifth, Jacoby Jones hits a home run to right center field on a 1-2 hanger from Fulmer. Now it's 9-2, and at this point, the Tigers' win expectancy was 98%. But Fulmer gets the next three in order, and this is where things uh, start to get a little wonky. Tim Anderson leads off the bottom of the fifth with a hard single, but the next batter hits a grounder to Jamer Candelario, who makes a really fine play and ends up getting the lead runner at second base. But after that, James McCain hits a high pop-up, sort of to no man's land in right field between first base and second base. And Josh Harrison's running a mile as fast as he can and comes screaming in, calling the ball, but it drops. Castellanos was actually the closest, and he should have taken charge as the outfielder and coming in. Anyway, so now there's men on first and second with one out, and Dale Norris airmails one. Uh, it's tough to throw it over the head of a six foot six catcher, but boy, did he succeed. So runners move up and both score on a single to left field, so now it's 9-4. to four. In that play, Dustin Peterson's throw beat James McCann to the plate, but it was up the third base line, and McCann made a really great slide to the inside to score. 9-4, and Norris finally gets out of it on a check swing. That's the end of his day. He showed some flashes with his breaking ball, but overall wasn't not a great outing for him. Five innings pitched, ten hits, four in runs, two walks, five strikeouts. 87 pitches, 57 strikes, 52 of them were fastballs, and 29 were sliders. Just four curves and two change-ups. He's sort of mimicking the Matt Boyd uh, method of just throwing nothing but fastballs and sliders, but he's kind of mimicking the Jordan Zimmerman results, if you will, so far. Nine swings and misses, not great. Only one on a fastball, eight on the slider. Seven of the ten hits came on the fastball, and I will say this, though. Four of the hits he allowed had an expected batting average of 230 or below, so there was a little bit of bad luck there, but not a ton. Anyway, so 9-4. Tigers still have a comfortable chance of winning. And the top of the six, Dustin Peterson doubles down the right field line to lead off the inning. Then there's a ground out, and then John Hicks singles, so it's first and third. And then Josh Harrison with a deep sack fly, and it's 10-4, good buddy. A new season high in runs. Good for them. Bottom of the six comes in Zach Reiniger, who had just come up for the game. He was the 26th man during the doubleheader in Boston. And they brought him up for this game, and he gives up a homer on an 0-2 pitch to Jose Rondon. It's 92 miles an hour at the top of the zone. Makes it 10-5. He gets a strikeout on uh, 95 down the middle. That looked solid, but then gives up a deep fly to left field. And Peterson is running and could have made the catch, but he's basically sprinting, and it bounces off his glove. It would have been a nice play, so that becomes a double. Then Tim Anderson follows that up with a deep double down the left field line. Now it's 10-6. to Anderson steals third, and Jose Abreu crushes a homer to dead center field. Now it's 10-8, and suddenly things are getting a lot tighter. Then he gives up a hard single from James McCann, and so they bring in Drew Verhagen in his first appearance since the three-walk meltdown in Boston, and he gives up a first-pitch hardliner right off the glove of Josh Harrison and a bloop double in a no-man's land in center field to make it 10-9 with runners in second and third. They intentionally walk Yonder Alonso to load the bases, then Jose Rondon hits a screaming liner right at Harrison, who throws it back to first for the double play. It remains 10-9. But boy, was that ugly. So the seventh inning was uneventful by this game standards. They did get two men on base, but didn't score for the first time all game. But the bottom of the seventh brought Reed Garrett into pitch for the Tigers, and he got a pop-out, but then gave up a single off the glove of Josh Harrison, and then a Tim Anderson single to the gap where, the right center gap, where, where Jacoby Jones did a great job to sprint down and cut it off to keep the runners 
from scoring and advancing, kept Anderson on first, but it didn't matter because Jose Abreu hit a three-run homer on, uh, in the next plate appearance to make it 12-10 White Sox. Except he didn't because Abreu passed Tim Anderson, who was running back to first to tag up. And once that happened, Abreu was automatically out. So instead of being 12-10 with uh, Abreu's second homer in the game, it's actually 11-10, and Abreu gets a two-run single, and that's it. So anyway, the White Sox still lead. James McCann gets walked. They bring in Daniel Stumpf, and he gets uh, a ground out to end the inning. Tigers are down for the first time in the game, and first batter of the eighth inning, Ronnie Rodriguez hits a home run. Of course he does. He crushes the ball off Kelvin Herrera on a hanging slider. It's an 11-11 game. Then John Hicks gets an 11-pitch walk, and then a great managerial decision in a game where the pitcher has just given up a home run and an 11-pitch walk. The Tigers try to sacrifice bunt with Josh Harrison. And who knows? I mean, Josh Harrison's not hitting for anything this year, so maybe it was a good decision. But, of course, he fails. He hits it right back to the close to the pitcher. They throw their lead runner out at second. Grayson Griner strikes out, and Nico Goodrum comes in for Jacoby Jones and hits a weak grounder, so it's still 11-11. Daniel Stump's still in there in the eighth. He gets a strikeout and a ground out, and they bring in Joe Jimenez, and he gets a strikeout. And the slider that we talked about a couple days ago reappeared. It looked really good. Top of the ninth, White Sox bring in their closer, as you always do in a tied game at home. He gives up an eight-pitch walk to Jamer Candelario. But then Tim Anderson made a fantastic play to grab a grounder in the hole and throw out Candelario at second. It was really, I thought it was a single for sure, and and that may have saved the game. And then Miguel Cabrera with a one-pitch weak double play. He's worst at bat of the game at the worst time. So Jimenez comes back out there in the ninth. He gets a strikeout on a perfect pitch on the outside black, 96-mile-an-hour fastball, just ideal. And he gets another one. So two outs, two strikeouts. Jimenez looking great. Then he gives up a walk-off home run to Tim Anderson on a hanging slider. Anderson does the exact same bat flip he did against Kansas City that caused a whole brouhaha a week before. White Sox win 12-11. So that was a barn burner. The teams combined for 23 runs, 36 hits, and 47 base runners. Josh Harrison and Ryan Cordell were the only two starters who didn't get a hit. Jose Abreu hit a homer and knocked in five runs. But of course, that would have been two homers and six RBIs if not for the base running hiccup. And Miguel Cabrera was four for six. His 47th four-hit game of his career, which passes Willie Mays for the number of four-hit games. According to Chris McCoskey, the Tigers hadn't scored 11 runs in a game and lost since 2007, and they hadn't blown a seven-run lead and lost since 2016. Yeah, just an absurd game. I doubt there will be one that's wilder this year. But you know what else is wild? Hiring people. Those of you who know me know that I'm hiring two, three people at a time, you know, and sometimes... They don't even show up at all. Sometimes they show up one day and don't come back the next, and they say, oh, my alarm didn't work. Or they show up for a week, get their paycheck, and then don't come back. Or sometimes they keep showing up, and it turns out it's a man in drag, and he just wanted to see his kids because of a rough divorce. It's always tough to find good people to hire. But you know what? ZipRecruiter can help you with that. And they can do that by sending your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. they got a powerful matchmaking technology that'll... Scan thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. You're not going to get chimney sweeps applying to your accounting job. And as applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. I know it always works for me. So right now, Locked On Tigers listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. And again, ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And so, you know what? Saturday was a snow day, and we all needed that. The Tigers' bullpen absolutely needed some time off, and I couldn't have done three recaps in one show. There's no way, especially with that gargantuan first game. And then the second game turned out to be a real dud, although a noteworthy dud. 
It's Matt Void versus Ronaldo Lopez, and I can kind of go back to the old way of describing these games because there's not much point in talking about the bats. So let's start with the pitching, and Matt Void goes out there, and he hits the leadoff man of the game on the foot on a 2-2 slider, one of those nasty sliders that goes down and in to a right-handed hitter. So leadoff man's on, but then he gets Tim Anderson's uh, striking out swinging on the same pitch, and then he gives up a mistake on an 0-2 fastball to, to Jose Abreu. It's up in the zone, and he hits it on the ground to right field, so it's first and third with one out. He gets James McCann on that nasty slider down and in, but then he walked Yohan Makata, and then Wellington Castillo comes up and hits a two-run double on another mistake. This one, Griner wanted a fastball low and inside, and Matt Boyd left it uh, on the outside corner, but Castillo did a good piece of hitting and went with it, hit it that way, and yeah, it's 2 nothing. Boyd, he strikes out Jose Rondon, but it took 35 pitches to get through the inning, so that was a rough start. But that was it. He gave up singles in the second, fourth, and fifth, but the White Sox never threatened again with him on the mound. He was really very good again. He That first inning was ugly, but after that, just those three base runners. Six innings, five hits, two earned runs, one walk, nine strikeouts, 52 fastballs and 33 sliders, and he actually threw 10 change-ups, which is a little bit more than usual. Four curveballs, just 13 swings and misses, and six of the 14 balls in play were hit hard, you know, harder than 95 miles an hour. It wasn't his best stuff, but it just goes to show you how good of a pitcher he's become to give up just two two runs over six innings with kind of his B stuff. And his 48 strikeouts is the fourth most in baseball, so he's he's good. Matt Boyd, who is good. The one other interesting play with him on the mound came in the third inning. It was the first bat of the third. He struck out Jose Abreu on that nasty slider again. And it's so nasty it got away from Griner. It kind of just stopped right below him. He didn't know where it was, so he turned around. Abreu's running to first, and Griner throws down to first to complete the strikeout, but it hits Abreu in the back. But then they rule him inside the baseline, so he's out, and that gets White Sox manager Rick Renneria out there, and he gets all upset, and he gets thrown out. So that was fun. But then we have, yeah, fast forward to the seventh inning. Buck Farmer's in, gives up a hard single to lead off the inning, another single to right field, so it's first and third. And then they bunt. It's a surprise kind of squeeze bunt, and Farmer tried to field it, and it went right through his legs. So for an error, and it makes it 3-1. Then he makes, on the next play, he makes this really nice defensive play, which is a grounder right back to him, and he snags it behind him, turns around, turns a double play, and it gets a strikeout of, of McCann. So 3-1, still in striking distance. And then the eighth inning, Victor Alcantara comes in, gives up a single, gets an out, then another single and a walk. So bases loaded. He gets a one-out sack fly where Nick Castellanos and Jacoby Jones basically run into each other in the outfield. It's not a full-speed collision, but they bump into each other. And it's the second time there's been a foul-up with Castellanos in the outfield in this series. And this one just looked like terrible communication. It didn't even look like they were saying, I got it. And then they didn't appear to talk to each other after the catch. So I don't know I don't know what's going on there. But yeah, that made it 4-1. You know, ordinarily that might be close enough that you could compete, but not in this game. <laughs> Because, boy, so we'll get to the bats here. Nick Castellanos with a one-out bloop double in the first inning, but then a strikeout and a pop-out after that. The second inning's the only time they scored. Two strikeouts, but then Ronnie Rodriguez hits a hard grounder to Tim Anderson, who kind of olays it again. He boots it, didn't get in front of it. And then Rodriguez steals second. So man on second with two outs. And then Grayson Griner hits a hard single on the ground to right field. That's kind of, we've seen that a lot from him. Uh, Phil Clark sends... Rodriguez home, and the throw from right field is just a perfect one-hop strike, but it bounces off the catcher, Wellington Castillo's glove, and Rodriguez scores to make it 2-1. But I'm afraid that's it for the offense. The third inning, you get to foul out, strike out, strike out. I guess after that, top of the fifth, there's a leadoff walk to Ronnie Rodriguez, and Greiner strikes out looking on an absolutely perfect pitch, swing back fastball at 96 miles an hour. And then Rodriguez was caught stealing, and then Jacoby Jones gets caught swinging at 98 miles an hour. Ronaldo Lopez was just absolutely nasty yesterday. It was six innings pitch, two hits, one unearned run, three walks, 14 strikeouts, which is a new career high, 105 pitches, 69 fastballs, and an average of 95 miles an hour. He hit 98, like I said. He racked up 24 swings and misses, including 17 on the fastball. The Tigers put just six balls in play against him. That's how dominant he was. And there's not much of a point to talk about the bullpen either. The relievers were basically more of the same. The Tigers put nine balls in play for the entire game. 
Their 20 strikeouts in a nine-inning game ties the Major League Baseball record. It's now the seventh time that's happened in all the years of baseball. And three times it's happened to the Tigers. What are the odds of that? The other two being the 20 strikeout games from Roger Clemens and Max Scherzer. So, yeah, rough weekend. Tigers go on to lose a game to Snow, and they fall back to 12-14, and 14, four and a half games behind the first-place Minnesota Twins, and four games ahead of last-place Kansas City if you're wondering about draft seating. So there you go. And I'm already way over time here, but I do have one question I want to answer. I have more questions, but the only one I want to answer tonight because I already said I would. But so the question comes from Perry, and he says, can you give me a thumbnail explanation of options? Like we just heard that Dustin Peterson was optioned to AAA. Like how many does a player have? And more importantly to me, how does that work with injuries? If a player gets called up to replace someone going on IL and then gets sent back down, does that use an option? So this is a good question, and I have an answer that I'm not 100% sure on because this is always very confusing. But here's what I have. So it is kind of misleading when they say options. Uh, because it stands for optional assignments, and it makes it seem like you have a certain number of them. But in reality, we're talking about option years. Once a player gets added to the 40-man roster, he has three option years. That means there are three different seasons in which a team can send that player down to the minors. Now, there's a very, very rare scenario in which a player can get a fourth option year if he uses his first three option years within the first four years of his minor league career, if that makes any sense. But if a player is sent from the majors to the minors for a period of 20 days or more, he loses that option year. So you can get sent down for 10 days and come back up and you don't lose the option. If you do go down for 20 more days and you've used an option year, you can go back and forth as many times as a team needs you. That's why sometimes you'll hear me refer to the stretch of I-75 between Detroit and Toledo as the Danny Worth Expressway because you can just go back and forth uh, as many times as a team can do it. Now, there are some caveats to that. If you are optioned down... You have to stay in the minors for at least 10 days before you can return, unless there's an injury or you're coming up to be the 26th man during a doubleheader. So hopefully that clears up a little bit. There's a lot more weird roster stuff that I want to get to at a later date. But uh, like I said, we're running out of time. And that's the show for today. I appreciate everyone for listening. And sorry about those two weird, ridiculous, awful losses and and the amount of time I spent on them, but they did seem so sort of noteworthy. So yeah, check out uh, all the other Locked On podcasts when you can. And I'll be back tomorrow to preview the upcoming Philadelphia Phillies series. So thanks for listening. Have a good day.